0: And it is that time uh, for men thrive the place where we have conversations with black men who have decided for whatever reason they want to thrive over survive in at least one part of their life i, I am excited that we are um, on the other side of our 15th episode and with that we um have to say thank you thank you to uh, you all who are listening, thank you to you all who are growing with us. Um, this, was a, this was an experiment. And can we have conversations with brothers that aren't necessarily about what album they got dropping, what movie is coming out, what project they are working on, but more about them. Um, because even those of us who perform are more than the performance. So I'm thankful for those of you that have thought that the way that we have these conversations is worth listening to. I'm thankful for those of you that were willing to lean in with brothers who you never heard of before, but recognized, man, just like me, uh, who may not have 10,000 or 20,000 or 100,000 or a million followers. uh, There are brothers who are below the radar, operating in their gift and their brilliance the best they can with what they know. And. I want to have more conversations with them Uh, because I think in having those conversations, we see ourselves and sometimes we're affirmed in our um, brilliant anonymity. (laughs) And so thank you all. Thank you for being a part of this community. And it's in that spirit that I uh, want to introduce our next guest. Um, This is a chance for uh, me to have a conversation with on podcast, a brother that I have conversations with regularly. Uh, some of you know him, some of you don't. He is one of the co-founders of Disturbing the Peace, uh, and where he is a partner with his brother Jeff and uh, Chris Luda Bridges. He has been an executive with Monster. He is currently an executive with Spotify. Uh, he is a thinker. He is a business owner. He is a strategist. He is a servant. He is a father. Uh, He is, in his own right, a revolutionary from the context that he is attempting to bring about what has not existed for the purpose of toppling, in some cases, that which does. He has been a mentor and a guide and a developer of a whole lot of talent in the music business. Uh, And so I'm incredibly excited for him to join the Men Thrive community today. You all, let's give a huge Men Thrive a round of applause to my brother uh Shaka Zulu. Man, oh man, oh man. Oh my god, man.
1: Man, so straight up
0: man. Like let's get into this man. You you have you have been in this thing called the entertainment business for a long time. Yep. And like most of us, COVID has if you're paying attention, forced us to to rethink, to reimagine, to reassess, all mm-hmm. of that. As you as you're looking at the industry in particular, what are you reassessing or reimagining that maybe six months ago you never would have thought about?
1: Um well not to sound like I know everything, <laughs> nothing that is happening. I, I, I will say, I I couldn't have imagined, um, in the sense of I'm, talking, I'm not talking about the COVID piece, you know, but I could have imagined that. I don't, I didn't, wouldn't have known how it would have manifested. But we've seen disease, pestilence, you know, and we've seen that be militarized and, mm-hmm. and weaponized against mm-hmm. people before in history. If we study mm-hmm. history, right. And so, and then there's some things that I've seen personally that also don't make this the most crazy. Like, oh, I can understand this. But in the music industry, what I've been paying attention to mostly is that, you know, uh, outside of understanding how people made majority of their money, um, where the fight really is, which is in contracts and things like that, or how you, you know, people are willing to Forego what they know they should fight for to receive what they can get right now, right? And so the biggest realization realization is the unpreparedness for any any uh, bump in the road, any mm. you know throw off to the infrastructure, and that's not just with black artists or black executives or black people in general, right? And then, but the other second reveal is is the cultural disconnect and the community disconnect within the industry to actually band together and survive as black executives as a black culture who is 60 to 70 percent of the music industry Mm -hmm. period
0: well and it's funny you say that because i i keep hearing all these rumblings about like not random kind of stuff but like targeted moves to Front end capital for folks to buy their catalogs to sell it to somebody else. Um, mm. And m- my concern, without getting into details, is is there is there a uh, intentional move for us to be able to have long term leverage? Because I, I think about I think about what Versus is done for it's revived catalogs, it's it's renewed catalogs, it's reintroduced catalogs. Mm-hmm. Um, but but behind the scenes my fear is that it's it's renewed and revived, revitalized and and, and introduced for the long term benefit not of the focus on the verses. Um, yeah. and so without trying to without getting into details of people's individual situations. Mm -hmm. Like, what do we need to begin doing? Um, Whether it's around fund development or leveraging, like, specific pieces of capital. Is it a political issue as well? Like, what's the answer? Because what it looks like is, you know, 10 years from now, some of the greatest artists that we have of this generation will Mm -hmm. have absolutely no control of their their product.
1: Well, uh, it's all of it, right? But on the funding side or the financial side, you know, he who controls the the finances or the check controls the outcome, right? And then at the end of the day, everything has to be connected to or associated to an asset, right? And the greatest asset in entertainment is the content and the copyright or the ownership of that. So we constantly hear about people, whether or not people should sign the majors or be independent, things like that or what have you. It's no cookie cutaway. I believe one thing works for one artist, something works better for another artist. Um, but where we can win or where we can shift is when the opportunity to invest in those assets, right? If we understand that copyright is king, so no matter what, streaming, television, film, what have you, all goes back to that master. Whoever owns that master determines the rates and, to, and, 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 and decides where the money you know, goes, then we need to start looking at that. But we're so very dismissive of that, as well as we don't pull our resources to go and acquire what we would consider a uh, valuable real estate. Mm-hmm. Right. So without getting into anybody's deal, like I said, you know, some people don't know what to ask for, don't know what to look for. So, right. So ignorance is bliss in essence. And the smarter you get, what the more resources you get? You should be looking at trying to figure out how to go back and get your asset, especially if it's valuable. Every asset ain't valuable. Yeah, that's other. Than every, every catalog it, yep. ain't something that you just need to go buy. <laughs> now, I, but if you can aggregate it and you can own, you know, a ridiculous amount of catalog, you know, you can have a, a big piece of art versus a, a small piece of art. But if that small piece of art just happens to have a moment, mm-hmm. like you own it. You monetize it. Oh, a oh, word. Oh, that's the new end thing. I got it right here, you know what I mean. And so then, therefore, you can monetize that. But that's kind of the, the mindset we need to be having to say, okay, cool. Those who are, you know, are, are, you know, multimillionaires, billionaires, need to be pooling funds and looking at. You obviously know how to make the money with the asset because you've done it. Now you say, listen, oh, whose catalog is been sitting in limbo, or nobody's, you know, or go clear up some of this debt that certain mm-hmm. people have so that people can own. You know what I'm saying? In their catalog. There was a story with, I think, uh, De La Soul, where they were, um, they, were, you know, a lot of the old deals, you, they don't have streaming rights in them, right? Because yeah. uh, those are old yeah. deals. They weren't even thinking about streaming. And so in order to put some of this music out on these DSPs and these platforms, you got to go back and re-engage the artists to get, actually get the rights to do it. And so the artists are like, well, nah, I mean, what's, where's, where's my where's my, where's my, where's my PC? Where's my percentage? Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, well, um, you know, you owe us $3 million that never recouped. For 30 years, I've, you, I've owed you $3 million? Like, there's been no use of this master. There's been no exploitation. There's been no residual flow of income, nothing. Mm-hmm. And I know I hear De La Soul records, even if they ain't made no new album. I hear old ones, right? So somebody has been monetizing or maintaining the master but hasn't been exciting the master. And if somebody, you know, a group of us would have said, hey, we know that this is classic music or these artists are are, are valuable or they're coming up on a milestone celebration in five to 10 years, we should go get that asset and and re-excite that asset, you know what I mean? So it just takes a little bit of sit down and say, okay, this is what we're gonna do, and and I hear that a few people are doing it mm-hmm. or starting to move in that direction. I, I'm one of them actually. So you know, what I'm saying I started a you know a little fund in a group you know with a group of friends, and we're looking at assets to go get you know what I mean, and 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 to own.
0: And and talk about that a little bit, man, because you um, I mean you and Jeff and and Chris have just y'all have diversified, 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 diversified. Um, and the evolution of that has been incredible. How how much of that has been um, just organically surfing uh, what you see happening, and how much of that has been
1: intentional? I, I would say 50 50. I was going to say 60 40, but I'll say 50 50. Like, we know and we've seen, you know, the blessing I have with having being partners with my older brother who he was in the music industry before me, I, I got to watch and see things go good and bad. Mm, right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we are, we're able to look at it from that way and Luther being a little bit younger than me, he has his perspective. So we had this three headed monster, right? we call we call ourselves the triangle office. So, so when we're looking at things, it's from three different perspectives that we're able to juxtapose against each other and say, well, this is the best outcome. And this is the worst outcome. And so when we look at things, if Luda's the brand, right, then we say, okay, cool, um, what is organic? What what, what helps build what helps build his brand? What helps uh, reinforce his brand? And then how do we protect the brand, right? So we try to do things that don't go too far away from him because you we want him to be able to wake up and be himself every day, not have to be pitch man, right? Because some people can't survive through that, right? And so we look at those things and sort of organic things that match that, we you know what you know we get the calls all the time we're like yeah no nope. SWAT 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 you're like that one's close mm-hmm. what you think he likes it then mm-hmm. there's intentional things that people don't think that we we would even remotely think about you know, you know right now he's working on his pet project he's been working on for ten years called Kid Nation um, or when we do you know land deals or or other other conversations or we do global branding. We've done regional global branding, right? Mm. Where we've had ads and commercials and sponsorship deals in areas of the world that never came back to the states, just because of how big we built the global brand. So then we're intentional about those type of things. So it's it's about fifty fifty. Well, and I'm sure.
0: I mean, even even as as I'm listening to you talk about, I'm sure that it wasn't. It might have been in the cards to grow the global brand, but it probably the trajectory. Was immensely changed when you start leveraging um, a, a Fast and Furious, um, a Fast and Furious franchise that went from one movie to mm-hmm. thirty nine, um, <laughs> and, yeah. and the global reach. And so, mm-hmm. how, like, so how do you think about how do you think about that? Because I think there are a lot of folks that they get surprised sometimes by success. Um, mm-hmm. and, and even a, a singular success moment right. that they only use as a moment because mm-hmm. they're not sure how to leverage it. Like, so as you think formulaically about how to leverage moments, um, I know there's a ton of brothers listening that that I don't care whether it's it's a it's a one time meeting at dinner or whether it's the opportunity to 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 actually perform or to build mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. What's the formulaic approach for you to leverage moments? Cause y'all do that to me better than almost anybody
1: I've seen. You, you gotta kind of, you know, that phrase lightning in a bottle, right? There's some things that you're going to see that you, you're not used to seeing. Obviously, if you've never been in this position, you never had the opportunity. You're like, now, nah, but if you're a student of history or, or you, you know, you follow the podcast, whatever it is, and you're really consuming information, you know, uh, there's no real how to, that can make your your outcome be my outcome, but there's things that you could look and say. Okay, I heard about this, right? Mm-hmm. So when you get to that crossroad, you start to try to you know recall certain things that you heard. The way that I look, we looked at it. Even like I'll, I'll give the example of like when we when we started off with Luda, right? Knew he was talented. You know, liked the records. Had some amazing you know independent success. When we got into a system, right? When we signed a Def Jam, I remember, that you know, it was compensated. Like, yeah, you guys might sell, you know, three hundred thousand records, and this is Def Jam, you know, after, you know, Rough Riders, Murder mm-hmm. Inc, Rockefeller. So we mm-hmm. like we join in the dream team. You know what I mean? And we're the little brothers. You know what I'm saying? And we got to come in and make our name. Like, yeah, y'all guys, just you'll sell like three hundred thousand records. So we like, okay, cool, close <laughs> to gold, you know. We, you know, we might be, you know, we're we going off of what they tell us, right? We get in first week, we sell one hundred and twenty thousand. Okay, first cool, week, cool. right? And they give us, they say, okay, you know, there's usually like a sixty to seventy percent drop after the first week. So you're like, okay, cool, which happened, right? Mm-hmm. Boom, drop went down. So we was in, I forgot, maybe like thirties, forties, whatever. And then you know, so we now we like, okay, how are we gonna work it? Then it just goes back up to like a hundred, right? And then it just stays at a hundred for like months. Wow! Right? So we 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 dropped the album in October. Before December, we were we were right at platinum. We was at a million, right? So. Of course, we're like, hey, you know, (laughs) hey, we're gonna go. Then it started; the numbers still don't drop because then, if we had a bump at the holidays and went back up to like two hundred something, it was was just like a ridiculous roller coaster ride. Then it got to two million. We like, (laughs) y'all said three hundred thousand, right? Y'all said three hundred (laughs) thousand. We had two million. So then we get to like. Two seven two like we sat down. We're like, hold up. Now is this a good thing? Is a bad thing? Are we gonna keep right. pushing it, or do we need to level, right? And it's all six and one and a half a dozen other. We've seen people have five, seven, ten million selling first albums, and then it goes and right. they flatten out at one million, whatever it is, or they just right. drop off. You fatty Wap, right? And then our mindset was let's do that. If we can do it consistently, five, six albums, mm-hmm. that's a better trajectory. Mm-hmm. So, it had an element of fear. Like, yo, we, you could get too big too fast. And, you know, people hate that level. And it's, and it's hard to live up to that level. Yeah, It's hard. It's hard to live up to get Richard die trying on a yeah. second. It's hard to live up to, to, you know what I'm saying? Country Grandma. It's hard to live up. It's hard to live up with all of them big first albums. You know what I mean? So we was like, you know what? Slow this, thing, slow this train down to three million. Just start up the brakes. <laughs> we don't gotta go too fast. And then we started getting back in that rhythm. And then the next album we did three, three point seven. So we then we was like, okay, cool. We can, make, we, we one, we making cash. Mm-hmm. We are killing them. We, we we competing on the numbers. Yeah, we ain't hitting no five million, seven million, ten million. But we we have a plan here. So we just adjusted on the fly mm-hmm. to look at what we felt. Was sustainable for us. Like I said, you can't over leverage. You could have just kept going and try to push to the five, whatever it is. But that might have been our only, our only one. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And and we just decided to take a different approach, and we feel that that worked better for us. And that's how seeing Will Smith, seeing LLC, seeing we we studied the greats before us to say, oh, they had classic albums, but they only couldn't make no more after that, or they had a big single and they couldn't or they had a big album and they couldn't follow up so we just kind of adjusted on the fly you just gotta kind of dig into your own chest mm-hmm. and see you know is it scary to succeed so but but
0: as as, as you and jeff and 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 Chris kind of thought this through where where it was really a business I mean uh-huh. and and even bigger than 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 DDP right I mean like how did you all think about because I I know you well enough to know, that you're always thinking you're always seeing and very few things are are you may assess on the fly but even assessing on the fly is part of your process
1: yeah
0: but how did y'all set how in the early days did y'all set values because because again one of the things that i've enjoyed watching is not just how you moved but how jeff has moved how chris has moved um and the value system that mm-hmm. has that has said, wait a minute, you know, this is the music we make. This is what we do. But this is who mm-hmm. we are as men. Yep. Um, and was that an intentional conversation for y'all in the early days? Or was there a moment where you said, wait a minute, we, we got to be real clear about who we are as men before who we are as executives and artists control?
1: No, I think that that oh. that. I won't say that it was intentional. It was almost it was it was kind of like put together, like you know, you recognize that characteristic, you know what I mean, and then it gets forged in the battle in the mm. in the action, right? Because we could say, you know, people say I'm, I'm a real, I'm a real. I mean, obviously Jeff's my brother, so I know that aspect. But me and Chris, though, so, you know, of course, I knew Jeff. I knew Chris. They didn't really know each other, mm. right? You know, so. You know, it's, it was a trust factor. And, and believe me, there was people that started with us that didn't make it through because mm-hmm. their, their character showed when money came in. You know, ours was forged through the actual battle, through the actual storms, through the actual turbulence and the success. Because like I said, you can get success, you know, I have no aspirations to be puffed and, and, or, or or sure. You know what I'm saying? I just wanted to be chucking you know what i And and, and what was for them was for them. You know what I mean? Um my aspiration was to push people to be their best selves. Sorry about my phone. Just to push people to be their best selves. And for I did my try to be artist thing earlier. I'm B-boy, break dance background, been in videos, DJ. I, cool. Got it. This guy is way more talented. I like the power of pushing that. But I could also have fallen once I made him a success, and be like, that was all me. That was all me. What do you mean? Nah. So we just, I guess, were designed for each other, right? Um, and then from there, in the storm, we learned even more about each other's character. Because, like I said, it you never know until you know. Even even with your own family, you know what I'm saying. You don't know until so up. Whether people say that they tough and they, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll knock a dude out, and you get in a fight, and you're like, where you at? <laughs> or you know, or yeah, I ain't stressing over that, or. You know, women, you know, whatever that all of those little things that people fall to until you get into character and and your character is really tested. That's the only way you're going to truly know. And I feel like most of our what you see or what you've received, it was in there, but it was also tested. And we stood firm on who we were.
0: Well, what's interesting to me is I remember probably one of the last conversations you and I had before COVID. You had said to me. Jeff, our our kids are puzzle pieces and you gotta figure out how they fit together with each other. Mm -hmm. And -hmm. and so there are very few people I think in the industry that don't know uh, your name or don't know the company that you all built, but everybody doesn't know how you came into this. Um, Mm -hmm. And so your parents were crazy intentional
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: about who they wanted you to be in the world and what mm-hmm. they were preparing you for. And, and so talk about that a little bit, man. Like, like when, when, when did you realize, Oh shit,
1: everybody's
0: parents ain't doing this.
1: Uh, uh, I- <laughs> I was, that was, that was early on. That was, <laughs> listen, man, when you got this, when you show up to school, and you got a dashiki on. And, and your name Red is Shaka Red. Zulu. And, yeah, and that no, was Red, the birth Red, Black, name. Pink, that wasn't Pink. like
0: the name you decided to give yourself because oh, you yeah. listen to X-Clan record.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's like literally like and then or, you know, we had a community. Like, so there was, you know, I had cousins and friends and community and Yota's over here and Amir's and this and that, you know, what I'm saying. And, you know, Matulu's and, you know, what I'm saying, and you know, all of that over here. And then when we get out of our community, you go to a school or we go somewhere else, you're like, James and Jessica and Mike and Ray. And they're like, what's your name? I'll be like, Chaka. They're like, chocolate. Like, nah, Chaka. <laughs> <laughs> chocolate. Like They would. They found every way not to say the name. But like I said, even to that point about this COVID piece, like the intention that was put in, and there's, and there's gifts and curses to everything, right? It's good and bad. and It's all, it's duality. Right, so I can look at the things that my parents did that were so amazing, and then it was things that I won't say that they were bad. It's just things I have to work through because mm-hmm. of the, the 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 force in which the, the the level of intention. Not only were they intentional, they were forceful yeah. about they like, no, you're going to do these things, and,
0: and so much of that, in, so much of that intention is driven by their trauma, um, right. and their development and what they've gone through, and and as much as it's it's well meaning. Mm -hmm. They don't even understand the 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 trauma that's connected to the intensity.
1: Right. Well, the way I look at it, though. They did it in a way, at least I will say the beauty of my parents, they did it in a way where they planted multiple seeds Mm -hmm. that sprout within certain within within certain uh, seasons. So if. I'm talking about my, my grandfather being the hardcore militant. He was, you know, the military trainer. I'm like, we waking up at five in the morning. Like, we couldn't be in the bathroom longer than five minutes. Hmm. Like, we had to do drills in the morning. You had to, we we would wake up to a drill call. Like, you had to, like, we had to sleep. How early? So, like, like, five in the morning.
0: No, no, no. How early, like, age?
1: Oh, no. This is, like, four or five years. Like, this is, they started this process at that age. Like, literally, we would be in the house, and they say, if you ever hear, mm. that's a call to drill. Like, so I could be playing, and if I hear that clap, we had to run, and we knew where we had to run to get in line and situate and get in drill formation. And you know what I'm saying? And then after that, you had to, I mean, it was so many things that it did, but it started creating be- behavior patterns, creating understanding, and preparing you even though it wasn't relevant to you at that time, mm-hmm. I call it programming. Mm-hmm. Right? Literally they just programmed us so that if you need this instinct, you have it. That's like going into COVID. It wasn't hard for me to, okay, I tightened the belt, woo, woo. I went to one and a half meals a day, mm-hmm. like immediately. Like I'm like, I'm sitting in the house, I don't need three meals a day. I'm not wasting that much energy. And I was seeing I lost 15 pounds from March to May. Just sitting in the house, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, so there was things that I was able to turn on, right? Then there was other things that, was like, okay, I need to understand what, why I'm thinking this, and those were other seeds that were planted that only going to sprout within the next season, right? So there was a number of things that they did, and I and I, and I just take all of that into stride. Like, I question some things, and I seek those answers, especially while I still have the elders around. Yeah, um, and I think we had this discussion at one point where it was like. We have to get to that point where it's like, okay, cool. We're literally, as a parent, we're never supposed to take our hands off the wheel. I know we start trying to kick them out at 16, 18, 21, like, get out of here, go get a job. My mother told me when when I was in college, she said, son, stay home as long as you can. I never heard, heard that in my life from any parent. Stay home as long as you can. She said, I don't care if you're 30. She said, because it's a hard world out there. And when she did that, it released the pressure mm-hmm. of having to go do certain things. Now, mind you, I still had it in me. Like, I don't want to, I'm taking food out of my youngest brothers and sisters' mouths. I need to go get my own. So I still had that. But mm-hmm. her saying that let me know she didn't just take her hands off of me. Mm-hmm. Because the mistakes I make at 18 are going to be different than the ones I make at 25, than the ones I make at 30. And if you, if we have successfully transitioned to the next stage, then we're supposed to guide them through the change. So you're no longer a pawn, you're now a rook. Mm -hmm. You're no longer a rook, you're now a bishop. You're no longer a bishop, you're now a queen, Mm -hmm. right? And so I have to be able to walk you through those stages on the board because I've assessed it from this perch, not only of experience, but of connection. So those types of things, the seeds that get planted also have to be nurtured and dependent upon the intention of Whoever is in your life, you one should be able to question those intentions. But if you believe that those people were doing the best for you, we just listened 90% of the time. There's like this is our parents. Mm-hmm. There's like you couldn't have told us you were telling us anything wrong. My mother's telling me my name, I'm an African, and did it. <laughs> and she she would say that. She said, Your name, you don't even have to tell nobody about you because your name tells you something before anything else. Mm-hmm. So I'm intentional. All my children have strong names that have global connection, right? So, yeah, in America, you might, what's your name? Well, I mean, now it's in to have African names. But before that, when it wasn't, if I went to Africa, it was an instant exception based mm-hmm. on the name. Mm-hmm. It was an instant exception. And not because you the named life. them
0: Kenya and Zaire. Right, right. And, and that's nothing against any Kenya's or, right, or right, Zaires right, right, listening. Right, <laughs> right, right. So... So listen, man, as you think about that preparation um, and you talked about how, you know, in this moment it you even I mean, you've got I was talking to a brother the other day and we talked about people talk about muscle memory all the time about how how you um, if you've been an athlete, um, Mm -hmm. your body remembers. But but we were talking about their spiritual memory and soul memory. And, mm-hmm. and so that's a lot of what you're talking about, that that your spirit is in tune with that preparation. Um, but how did that how did that impact how you looked at business? Right. Because I think I think that there's this this interesting piece. Um, we we got to talk about this. Um, we got to talk about this uh, Black Messiah movie. Um, okay. But but when we yeah. think about even those of us that have studied the movement. And we mm-hmm. think about mm-hmm. the Black Panther Party for Self Defense, or we think about United Slaves, or we think about SNCC, or we think about um hell, even even as we think about African Bimbada, right? And and this oh. and this shift of gang movement to to liberation movement, we we often think that there's a hard wall and disconnect between that and business.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and so how did you navigate that when clearly You've been raised by revolutionaries. You've been prepared in a a liberation thought process. Um, How did that impact how you looked at business and specifically a business that in a lot of cases was like, we don't want to hear that shit?
1: Mm hmm. Um, I mean, the way I frame it, when I have people ask me this question, I say there's a difference between who I am and what I do. Right. Mm hmm. Like, I can bring who I am to what I do, but what I do does not determine who I am. Because mm-hmm. people are always like, they, they're like, your parents are, what? They, they, they hear things and they're like, but I would have never known that. I would have never thought that. I would I, That's cool. Mm-hmm. This is a job or this is something that I do. It's not who I am. And my thing coming up was like, my mom, I, I jokingly say, because my mother was in the music industry. And I always kind of, like, when I, I preface a story like this, I said, my mother was like the, the mother that was in uh, Waterboy. Remember my mother watched she like, everything's the devil. Everything, foosball is the devil. And this, this is the devil. And this, this is the devil. So my mother, because she was in the music industry, moved around a lot of circles and she would always tell a story. Be like, yeah. I remember she was like, you know, I, I sang better than, you know, than Aretha and da, 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 But you know, I just wasn't willing to, you know, be, you know, do this. I, you know, I, I, I wasn't willing to do drug, go to drug parties, and you know, what I'm saying or whatever. Like, I would hear these stories and be like, oh, yeah. She would tell me like all these people she knew, but he's like, yeah, but that person's on drugs. This person sleeping with that person. You know, like all of these. You know,
0: horror story that this was negative. <laughs> I
1: was like, okay, cool. So I, I never wanted to be in the music industry. I was like, <laughs> I got it. Okay, cool. But as I grew and I realized, oh, this is just a passion. This is like my life. It's, it's who I am. I'm gifted mm. in understanding music or whatever it is. And I love it. When I started moving forward towards it, and I was like, this is a real pull, I sat down with my mom and a couple other elders. And at the time, and I was like, And one of the questions, and and specifically because you mentioned SNCC, Kwame Kwame Torre was doing um, Stoker Carmichael for those, some of them Mm -hmm. who don't know. um, We knew he was getting ready to pass. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, he's our godfather. You know what I'm saying? So when he knew that he was sick and ready to pass, he sent a letter to all the families and said he's going to do a final tour Mm -hmm. and come sit. So he came to Atlanta, sat in our home in Atlanta in the West End, it was very, very surreal perspective. Um, I think I would have been probably, what, right around 18? Mm. 18 going on 18, right around that time. And he sat in our living room, we had a very big living room, he sat in our living room. He sat, he was wearing all white, sat in a chair. We all, everybody sat on the floor. Adults, children, everybody. So it felt like a, a deity type of thing. You know, it was like, And he said, literally said, ask me anything. Wow. Ask me anything, any question under the sun and I'll answer it. And everybody, you know, start throwing their questions or what have you. And I, I try a lot to just speak what's on my mind. And because of the teachings of him and others and my mom, and they were all in a room and the, the draw that I was having toward the music industry. And I was like, Hey, you know, cause in the Revo- some of the revolutionary teaching, they would say that, you know, you can't put clean water in dirty pipes yeah. and expect, you know, yeah. you know clean water. And so I asked that question in a different way and I said, Hey, I really got an opportunity. I'm thinking about this and I'm energized. Do you think that I can get into, and I, I framed it. I said, do you think I can become a part of a system or structure or something? I forgot what the other word was system in a pure mind and change it from within, like get in there or some mm-hmm. spook who by the door, mm-hmm. get in there, shake it up and change it. And His immediate response was no. He was like, no, because he said, because I said, I think I added the part and be successful and then change it.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Right. So I think that the way he heard it was get in, become successful, then come back and fix it. And his response was, no, I don't think, I don't think that's you can do that because the further you get into something, the the further you get away from your base, almost basically like what we deal with in our community, the more successful people get, the less untouched, Touchable, you know, the, the more untouchable, the less touchable they were, or reachable. Yeah, that's one of the things that I think that you know had Tupac in the position that he was in. It's not, it's not an easy battle, and any other person, but Pac lived it out openly. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? That, that 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 yin and the yang aspect of being revolutionary and counter-revolutionary at the same time,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and you know, and and that's where everybody, yeah, said so the, the, the the keep it real mentality, but we already know when you know better, you got to do better. Yep. That's why I can always say, I don't, you know, I don't do bad, uh, you know, contracts. I'm not trying to do a bad contract. I'm not trying to take your money. I'm trying to, based on my investment and your position, what have you, and I don't owe you the benefit of my knowledge, but I'm not going to rape and pillage mm-hmm. my brother mm-hmm. for the sake of contract to say I can't. And, and that might not have gotten me as much money as some others who've taken people's publishing or who've done these different things. But that is counter-revolutionary, mm-hmm. period. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have, you know, it's, it's, it's a creed that we have, the New African creed. It says to me, you know what I'm saying, certain things that I will not do. You know what I'm saying? And and I I can't grow up saying that and then go emulate that outside of the home.
0: Well, you Before can, I'm, but but not without, yeah. but not without. And, and I, think the, I think the thing that... I'm, I was sitting here listening to you and, and I'm thinking about one um, and you and I've had this conversation before, but I've, so I've heard it, but, but even sometimes we are, we're cavalier about what we know, even as we appreciate it. And you, you know, you, you just kind of lightly throw out that Kwame Ture is your godfather. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so which which is which cause listen, we there's so much we could talk about. Brother Terra has been in my consciousness more than normal after this bullshit that I heard Bill Clinton say at yeah. Congressman yeah. Congressman's funeral. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, did yeah. this dude just say that I caught it too? That he also- Nick <laughs> went astray under yeah. the
1: enlightenment. Yeah, it almost he said it almost it was a little struggle there. It almost went <laughs> More towards
0: Stokely than. Oh my God! And I was I was just like, yo, the 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 unmitigated gall of this dude to feel comfortable to critique one of our greatest servants at the funeral of another Mm -hmm. servant. Mm -hmm. And and I and I, I I think I was almost more mad shocked that I didn't see more people upset in there. Um, but that's another some conversation.
1: Some people didn't catch it. Some people that's, didn't. That's catch fair. It, that's fair. Right. Those who did, probably, and I, and I, you know, again, those who did, probably. I don't know. I I, I can't say. I can't think for nobody else. I know that I've I've had conversations like this with with Andy Young, mm-hmm. right? Because obviously. They all had similar goals. They had different methods. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the reasons why me, I mean me and you talk about this all the time. One of Stokely's biggest oh, Kwame, Stoke, excuse me. One of Kwame's biggest mantras and and, and positions was we're, we're too diverse. He said, get with like minded people and move in a direction. Yep. Right? Because they're gonna play Snick against this, yep. they're gonna play this person, Malcolm against Martin, they're gonna say they're gonna this is the enemy is going to do that. And like you said, in, in a position where both of them are passed, you choose to try to create more revisionist history. That's right. That shows you how intentional. That's right. Because that you couldn't even help it. You didn't have to say that. At all. You didn't have to go there at all. At all. Right. But this is a written speech. You had a, you looking down That's right. at That's speech. And, and several people
0: it. looked at it. Right, Before it was and you know
1: you wrote it, so when you look at it, you know that's in, that, that was such intentionality, and so especially you know,
0: the, in this moment, especially in this moment of 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 there being some, because what's interesting is Black Lives Matter has not always been black nationalist in nature.
1: It's, I still wouldn't say it,
0: and and so there there is still a there is still a tone of please um within black lives matter mm-hmm. e- even even the term even the word matter is is in a non scientific way the yeah. lowest common denominator of existence mm-hmm. I, me mattering is not me yeah. being important yeah. it's not being yeah. me being important and and so w- without going too deep into that it it because I do want to talk about this, this current moment, um, but I don't want to I don't, I don't want to I, I want you to finish your thought by way of 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 how you were able to not so much, um, not so much because some people would say that there was a, a, a that there's this tightrope walk where we code switch. And some people acknowledge that I'm me. Wherever I go. Mm -hmm. But I also have situational discernment enough to know um, Mm -hmm. how to move and what to give. I used to I I used to there used to be some artists that I used to mentor. And there were two things I would never do with an artist that I mentored. I would never party with an Mm -hmm. artist that I mentored. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was always clear that of of where they were by way of stages um and and i and i didn't kick it with artists that i mentored because i saw so many cats that were in my space popping bottles with cats that they hadn't yet created relationship with um now when we create relationship and we all together there's nothing we can't do but 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 when i'm riding coattails um and you've seen that more than I have cats that whether they preachers or activists or organizers and and they become more interested in being part of the entourage than they do in elevating the entourage it it becomes problematic um so so as you as to 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 give you space to close that out as you kind of realize and your family realized oh wait a minute shock is dropping the revolutionary tools and seeds here and there and, and cats in the, in the community got a, in the, in the industry got a sense of, Oh, wait a minute. This is who Chuck is. Mm-hmm. You made a, you made a delineation in the beginning of this train of thought that who you are is not what you do. Well, um, and what you do is not who you are,
1: but it seems well, based, to me. Well, based upon what people accepted me for, Right, like I do revolutionary work, so mm-hmm. I am. I am that. But what people were defining me for, which was the music industry. Got aspect you. Of, okay. Right. That's now, where that's I was it.
0: having problems, and I was listening to be like, okay, where is he? Where is he going with this? Because yeah. I've never known you to be you, but you.
1: Right. But again, I'm. I have such discernment, you know. Right. <laughs> and you know, this time, I've been like, man. I ain't supposed to be here. You know what I mean? Or, you know, if they, you know, I mean, I ain't really, I ain't, I ain't did nothing, but I, but I know based upon just off of political belief or lineage and bloodline, hmm. you know, I'm being watched or I've been, you know, you know, people are seeing, you know what I'm saying, keeping a, a hawk on me. And so sometimes when I'm in certain rooms, I'm having a certain conversation and I'm getting information, I'm getting access to things. I seem like, yo, why am I in, Mm. you know do these people not know who I am but then they don't right <laughs> you know because just i mean just because you know, my bloodline don't mean that I, I agree you know what I'm saying so yeah you know we you know there's, there's all types of scenarios for that right and I tend to trojan horse a lot of things
2: mm-hmm. I'll
1: like, I let other people yeah 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 you go walk through that door first yeah' I'm gonna I'm go around this way and mm-hmm. i'm a, and I'll let you know yeah, I already know what's over there I just wanted to get your perspective or I'm gonna let you go that way to deflect while I'm moving this way. Mm-hmm. And for me, being around it, like around people, period. It's not just music industry. I mean, I'll be, I'm the type of person anybody who's hung on with you tell you we could be in Magic City one day and we could be at the White House the next. You know what I'm saying? So
0: or afternoon and, and that, evening,
1: right? Right. <laughs> so and anything in between on that pendulum, like right? you know what I mean? And and one is knowing who I am. Knowing what I would know, who I would like to be, which is not, you know, that far off from, you know, a far extension from who I am. Right. And then being very, very consistent in the growth of that, mm. because you can also be programmed and know who you are to the point where you don't push yourself. Yep. Right. Where you sit. Yeah. Oh, this is who I am. And I, yep. I challenge. And myself. there's no evolution. Right. I challenge myself. And that's why I was saying the fear and the fearless or defense officer. Even in COVID, the people who like yeah, you know, the, you know, the, 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 the doomsdayers, everybody's panic buying, buying guns, all that, like, hunker down in the house, waiting for the government to come or whoever to come. That's the fear stance. Mm-hmm. That's the defensive stance. While the offense or the fearlessness is the ones that are out here being creative and saying, well, I'm, where's the opportunity?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Where's the opportunity? So you got to have, but everybody, especially in nationalism, you got to have both. Yep. You got to look for the opportunity, but have a defensive stance. So the only reason why they were able to, you know, burn down Black Wall Street, you know, bomb, move, do all of the things and break up, you know, the different, you know, uh, rosewoods and things like that. Because we had all opportunity mindset, but no defense. We had no police, mm-hmm. no defense. Force. Mm-hmm. No, you know what I'm saying? No, you know, that element of us. So I, I always apply these teachings that I have to the situation and they definitely mm-hmm. are transferable skills they're definitely transferable skills, right? So when we look at it and we talk about different things, uh, you know, I tell when I'm talking to the young cats, we got the water boys out here, like these young cats that are on the corner, yep. running up to the car selling the yep, water. Yeah, we
0: got the squeegee boys like, in Baltimore.
1: Yeah, so they hold things like, you know, we were moving, like, Yo, I, I ain't selling no drugs. You know, like, I got you. I have I mean, because that used to be my speech to them. I said, if you could sell drugs, you could sell water. Mm-hmm. You could sell socks, you could sell this. You know? If you could run a gang, you could run a, no. Oh no! Listen,
0: man. Yesterday, shock. I was on. I was. I was pulling up. Um, I had no cash on me, and Shorty was like, "Hey, man, you know, let me get you." I said, "I don't have no cash on me." Gave me a card that had his Cash App, had his Cash App, his name and his Cash App joint on it, and he was like, "Listen, I got you. Just take care of me." and mm-hmm. and and i'm telling folks on a regular basis man the ingenuity of these kids and make a conscious decision because there's no shortage of corners for them to be selling shit on in baltimore right, that's a right. that's a conscious decision to be on this corner versus that corner right. um and so if i can if if i can honor that and and then this brother he already knows it's gonna be people saying i ain't got no cash so he but, got cards made with his Cash App information on it and his squeegee name. Yeah. And, and,
1: and not only is it a conscious uh, effort and decision, it's brave. Yes. It's brave because it's so easy to do the other thing.
0: It's too you know easy. You I'm saying? And, yeah. and you're going to get clowned half the time for holding what? a squeegee versus a package.
1: You're right. It's not sexy. Nah. You know what I'm saying? Or, or, whatever, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? However people tend to promote certain things. You know what I mean? And that's another thing that I've always factored in. I got all types in my family. I got hustlers, pimps, drug dealers, goons, you name it, they're all there. And when we would have family reunions, family meetings and I would listen and I would have, you know, you know, my mother my mother used to even say, she was like, you could say the word, you could use the word nigga, but you ain't gonna be one. You ain't about to act like one.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: She said, there's a difference. This nigga shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The same way it's counter-revolutionary. She said, hey, there are extremes. We are human. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to try and fail. We're going to do whatever it's about. To you know what I'm saying? Fall short. But when we go to the extremes of knowing we're doing the opposite of what we were, one, one what we believe, even if we're trying to get the money. They say, okay, like the destruction of our people is not justification of
0: money.
1: hmm It really ain't.
0: Mm-mm. At all.
1: Like, you for?
0: Man, and again, I I just I'm over the moon at the fact that you decided to come through, brother. I know this is not what you normally do. Listen, how often are the conversations that we have so therapeutic? And it, it's not because a bunch of people are listening, it's not because uh, there's some kind of insane bars that get dropped on a regular basis. It, it it just is the ability to have human connection with a brother who can look at us, see the best in us, um, and encourage that, see the worst in us, and hold us accountable, make us think in ways we didn't think before, and and that is, in, in large part, why I appreciate Brother Shaka Zulu so much, uh, not because of the titles that he has or... Uh, the the acclaim within the industry or the money that he's been able to mass is simply because he is a black man that looks at this black man uh, and reminds me that I'm not crazy and I'm wondering if if you have that and if, if you do um, thank them I mean I mean literally pick up the phone and call them and say thank you uh, for making me not feel crazy thank you for reminding me that something in me is innately incredibly um, beautiful for no other reason than because I exist. Uh, And thank you for being the reminder of that at times when the world attempts to tell me that I'm not that. Uh, This isn't even about giving people their flowers while they're alive. This is literally having a level of reflective gratitude uh, for the fact that people in our lives are there. I thought it was really interesting and, 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 and sideways kind of crazy that Shaka Zulu kind of casually mentioned that Kwame Ture was his godfather. And again, I, I can't even begin to explain the impact that Kwame Ture had on my life as a young student and activist, had the ability to host him At the University of Toledo and it is a moment that not only will I never forget but it it really is uh, two or three days that changed my life and my perspective and my understanding uh, taught me what I didn't know in so many ways and elevated my knowledge and others um, created a crystal clear picture for me of what a revolutionary looked like not within a rhetorical sense but in an actualized one And taught me how revolutionaries engage with the people, not when they're on stage, but when nobody is watching. Uh, And so I want to leave this show with just some words from Brother Kwame Ture. I'm going to thank Mo and Madison and the rest of the Men Thrive team because I don't want to follow uh, the words of this master servant, uh, this master revolutionary, uh, this master... Strategist, this master soldier, this master human, uh, who understood that his African uh, origin was the foundation not for his struggle, was the foundation for his vision of liberation. And so it is in his words that we will leave this episode. And I say thank you and love each other, um, but make sure you love yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, Kwame Ture.
3: Now, we have two psychological battles that we're fighting against white folk. We won one. They told us that we should hate Malcolm X. We dumped that. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the second battle that we're now fighting is whether or not we will have the right to use the terms to decide how our movement is going to go. They don't want us to use black power. I got news for them. Because what black power was supposed to do was to start bringing black people together under a slogan that everyone understood. But what in fact is done is it's organized white people and their Negro allies. we have to talk about the rebellion in Chicago. And we have to say, you see, Richard Daly, baby, don't you put none of our boys in jail and charge them with treason, cause you deserve to be charged with treason. You deserve to be charged with treason. Cause any time you force people to live that way, you deserve to be charged with treason. You are guilty, not us. You are guilty, not us. Yes, we have to start putting the blame where it belongs. we got to stop saying we're lazy, cause baby, it's our sweat that built this country while they ride around in <laughs> We ought to stop saying that we are apathetic because I'm going to find that word for you. Apathy means that you won't work on a program that I tell you will help you. <laughs> be when college students leave a good job and go to Mississippi to organize their people, that ain't hardly apathy. And when people get together in Watts and in Chicago and organize the rebellion, that ain't hardly apathy. Now these Liberal congressmen got up the other day on television and they said to the North Vietnamese, now listen, fellas, we have been for you all the time, but now if you met Been for you all the time, but if you mess with our racist fellas, we're gonna have to take care of you. That's what he was saying. Yeah. That's what Church was saying when he said, I am begging the North Vietnamese not to bother our pilots because you're gonna ask us to bomb you. He ought to be talking to this racist country and telling them not to bomb Vietnam. Yeah. That's what he,
2: That's he ought to be
3: talking about. And you have to watch the way it operates inside this country because what they say to us is that we are for you but don't forget you're 10% of the population and if you get smart we'll wipe you out
0: (laughs) yo thanks for listening to men thrive did you like us If you like us, visit your go-to podcast provider and check out other episodes. You can also go deeper by joining our community at menthrive.com.